the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. You may say to me, no, Pastor, I, I always believe that God is faithful to love me, but He is under no obligation to clean up after me. Well, I hope that uh, you're not trying to raise children under that paradigm, because it doesn't work. God never does anything under obligation or out of obligation. What He does, He does out of who He is, and that is love. You know, Romans 8.28 speaks of a God who has saturated every failure with grace. That's the truth of it. Satan would have you believe that you're not as loved in failure as you are in success. Paul is now offering that argument in the verses we're looking at. And God knows that we can read this truth, that we can know this truth, that we can study this truth. And the moment that we fall away, the moment that we are accused of drifting away, the moment that we fail or someone fails us as we look and put our focus either on our flesh or the flesh of somebody else, the accuser comes to us and and immediately in our emotions we believe that God loves us less that there's some kind of separation between us that somehow we are not as as holy as we were we're not as consecrated as we were we're not as righteous as we were these are the emotions that hit us and immediately we lose the truth of what Christ has done for us we lose the truth of the love that he has shown us in this act Look at those verses. Romans chapter 5. Verses 6 through 8 are an evidence that should be applied to your life every single day of your life. Remember that this is written to Christians. It's not written to the lost. It's written to Christians. It's written to Christians who need to be reminded of the condition, their condition before Christ. What condition they were in before Christ so that they can be reminded of the love that is holding them in place. The love that they were created to live in and what that love recreated them to be. It says, while we were still are yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves. Now that's present tense. We need to understand that this doesn't mean that when we became weak, It doesn't mean that at our point of weakness, 
or that we will eventually become weak enough for God to die for us. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is it's in present tense continuous and it says, in our continuing weakness, in our ongoing weakness, in our ongoing state of ultimate weakness, Christ died for us. The problem is that the strength of flesh is considered strength in our judgments. We look around and we make judgments about the flesh and say, oh, that flesh is strong and that flesh is weak. But God sees us as we are. And when God looks at us, He sees us as weak. We are weak. We don't look strong. God looks at us and He sees us as weak, vulnerable, delicate. We were created to be cared for. Do you recognize that? To be protected. We were made to be filled with strength and held by strength, but not to have a strength of our own. Now that wars against our ideal flesh, doesn't it? Because we want to be a strong Christian. Or we want to be a strong individual. And always the flesh wants to, wants to garner to itself some modicum of strength. We want to stand in whatever we consider to be our strength. But Christ didn't die for us because we were strong. He came to and died for us out of the love of God at a point when we were weak and powerless. But the thing that you need to understand is that you don't change. You are still weak and powerless. I didn't say that you cannot be infilled and used by the power of God. I didn't say that God's power will not come forth from your life. But you are made to possess and to live out of the power and strength of God. Not out of the power and strength of the flesh. He says, in our continual state of weakness, like David against Goliath, like an infant who is held and nurtured and protected by a parent, his strength displays itself in our weakness. We used this verse or talked about this verse a couple of Saturdays ago in 2 Corinthians 12.9 where God says to Paul, My strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness. In your weakness. We cry out when we think we're weak, don't we? We cry out when we think we've lost strength. We cry unto the Lord and what we want is for Him to give us strength. To empower us. But He made us to be dependent upon His strength. We were created to be weak. We were created to need and live by His strength. Verse 6 tells us that we were in a state of ultimate weakness, powerless without God, the pawn of evil, given over to wickedness and pride. And you know what? There's nothing as weak as a godless man. He has no strength at all. He doesn't have the resource of Christ as his life. He has nothing, in fact, nothing in his life actually adds to him. And everything that he believes gives him strength or power actually takes from him like a cancer, slowly taking life from him. There's nothing as weak as a godless man. 
But the godless man walks around thinking that he has power, thinking that he has strength, thinking that he has glory, and every day he is actually helpless, and every day is a day closer to destruction. When we were in a state of weakness and purposed in wickedness, powerless to maintain any standard of morality, Christ chose to die for us. And here's an interesting thing. We never saw our need. Did you think you decided one day that you needed Christ? Did you? We didn't see our need. He saw our need. He's the one that came to us. He drew us. He revealed to us our need. John 6.44 Jesus speaking says, No one is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me attracts and draws him and gives him the desire to come to me. And then I will raise him up from the dead at the last day. You see, we were born blind in pride. Born man-centered with a faint awareness of God but refused to recognize Him. 1 Corinthians 2.14 describes the natural man. It says, But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit, for they are meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. What is spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated? Well, the revelations, the teachings of the Spirit of God. Now we often wonder, I I look at that verse and I often wonder, How many times I'm groping in darkness because I have refused to recognize the truth of who I am? How many times have I been walking around without wisdom because I have forgotten who wisdom is? You know, the reality of it is the natural man doesn't have wisdom because he has no source for wisdom. And that is the truth of us. We did not know and when we walk in the fl- after the flesh, we don't walk in the flesh, but we walk after the flesh, we are blind to the truth. I know that there are people that come and see me and there are people who talk to me, and what they want to do is they want to argue the truth of Christ's life or they want to argue whether or not this life really works. But here's the reality of it. The fact that they want to argue tells me that they want me to present to them some logical argument, some reasoning that they by in their flesh can grasp and embrace. Do you think that works? No, it doesn't. Only the Spirit of God can move them to truth. Only the Spirit of God can awaken them to their need. That's the truth of this verse. Now, that's who we were. Without God, alive unto the flesh, dead unto God, just not just dead, but literally hostile, enemies of God. The carnal Christian is alive. He's alive unto God, but he's walking after the flesh, preferring the strength and the comfort of the flesh and the world to the strength and the comfort of God. Preferring the identity of the flesh to the identity of the Spirit. Now that's the truth of a carnal Christian. They've made themselves at home there, but they're living a slow death. They are existing, but they're not living to the life they've been given. We continue. 
Verse 6 says, At the fitting time Christ died for in behalf of the ungodly. Now, the thing that we need to remember, though God is not subject to time, because He created it to make faith a reality in the lives of men, He placed everything in time concerning us, and He placed it in its proper time. So I don't believe that anything happens apart from its proper time. The salvation that Christ affected or was affected by Christ, wasn't an afterthought, but was put forth at the precise time planned by God. And it was planned before time began. Peter, when he's speaking to the crowd in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, he says, This Jesus, when delivered up according to the definite and fixed purpose and settled plan and foreknowledge of God... Does it sound like God was had a plan? Does it sound like He had a precise time? According to the settled plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and put out of the way, killing Him by the hands of lawless and wicked men. Now we tend to believe in the exactness and the sovereignty of God selectively, don't we? When unbelief grips our soul, we believe that we must make the right choices at the right time in order to be in the will of God and to protect ourselves from destruction. But here's the truth of it. We are not left to our own timing. The seasons of life for us are never too soon or too late. To participate in the activity and the sovereignty of God in each moment requires faith and obedience. To believe that man and flesh determine the events of your life is to walk in fear and unbelief. In either case, God's plan is before us. It's never altered. We're going to walk in it. In one case, we walk in the plan in victory and in hope. Or we walk in the plan in selfishness and defeat. But the plan is never changed. The plan is never altered. You see, you make the choice to embrace what Christ is doing where you are right now, to embrace the truth that He has an exact plan for your life and that He is sovereign in the things of your life, and to worship Him and to believe that it is Him that is holding you together, that it is Him that is in charge of the the details of your life, being obedient... Now notice I said being obedient to participate in in His plan as He directs and guides. That's how you live this life. But it's not, it is not a life of pain and suffering based on your choices. It's a life of His continually saving you from yourself, giving you a path to recognize Him, putting you into a position where you recognize your need for Him, constantly revealing Himself. It's a life of revelation. It's a life of truth. It's a life of abundance. He said, I came to give you abundant life. He is talking about the abundance of His life. Now, in verses 6 through 8, again, Paul is talking about the greatest enemy of walking in the truth of that. And that is the idea that somehow God's love for you diminishes 
that somehow after you sin, that somehow after you fall, that somehow after you walk away from truth, that God's love, God's plan, God's timing is somehow put on hold for your life. But you can't find that in those verses. That's not the truth of what he's saying here. Many view the passing of time as lost opportunity. But the best opportunity is never past. It's now in the I Am. It was at the right time that Christ died. He died for what we were. Ungodly, wicked, hateful enemies of God. Not for what we might become. Many people think that Christ died for those He thought would be Come Christians. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says that He died for the sins of all men. He died for the whole world. His sacrifice was all-inclusive. Which means that everyone He died for is everybody, not just the Christians. And He didn't just die for what you might become. And the reason that's important for you to remember is the enemy comes to you and he says, Oh, you know, Christ died for you, but He really expected you to be this. He expected you to become that. He expected you to develop into this. You know, you've really disappointed God. Do you think that's possible? Is it possible to disappoint God? Well, think about it. He would have to have an expectation that was unrealistic, wouldn't he? That would make him a little less than God, wouldn't you think? You can't disappoint God because God is God. And He knows what He got when He got it. He created you. Before you ever your little feet ever hit the earth, He knew every failure you would make. And He took every one of them to the cross. Not just for you, but get this. He died for Hitler too. He died for Saddam Hussein. He died for the worst person you can possibly think of. And for many who've died without Him, He died for them. It was all inclusive. At the right time, He came and died for them. Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, Now it's an extraordinary thing for one to give his life, even for an upright man, though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. And some of your translations may say for a righteous man, but that, that is not in the New Testament sense of what we believe righteousness to be. It is a man who does right in the eyes of man. Just like in this reference to a good man, he's talking about a man who is as good as a man apart from Christ can be. He's not talking about good as God defines good. Paul gives two examples here of, of man dying for man. And one of them is inconceivable and the other one's next to impossible, but it's possible and it's rare. We are held in a love that's much greater than wickedness. Do you recognize that? I mean, that's sometimes hard to believe. But we're held in a love that's much greater than wickedness. Greater than the wickedness of man. And this is the, this is the, the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Let me ask you a question. Would you give your life to save a wicked enemy who had murdered your family and was out to destroy you? What's more, knowing that he was to be tortured to death for his crimes, would you take his place? Would you step up and say, no, I'll do that for him? Well, that's what God did. He sent His Son who gave Himself over in our place. Now, man, apart from God, doesn't possess this kind of love. Apart from Christ, he can't even comprehend this kind of love apart from its source. 
The sacrifice of man, understand this, the sacrifice of man may be heroic. And we have seen a lot of heroics. But unless it's in obedience to the life of Christ within him, it's self-motivated. It is not made out of love. It is not the sacrifice that Christ made. God sent His Son who gave Himself in our place. And in that, He demonstrated His unconditional love. Let's look at Romans 5.8. But God shows and clearly proves His own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. And that's almost a repetition of verse 6. Did you notice that? They're very close to one another. Which tells you it's important to the Father that you embrace this fact. Now, if you're like I was, you may have read through this thing many times and you say, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know. And I know he died when I, you know, I was unworthy. Yeah, I know that. But God, in this verse, what he does through the Holy Spirit is he sets a contrast between the love of man and the love of God. And this contrast clearly proves God's love. And this is in present tense, which means that that demonstration or that proving is ongoing. It's an ongoing demonstration. Continual agape love is expressed toward man. And listen, it is not God straining to love man and seeking reasons to do so. It is God being God. It is God expressing who He is towards man so that man will know Him. You see, while we may read over this and kind of repeat it to ourselves, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, considers this a monumental truth. A truth that He reiterates in order that you may take in and use as evidence to guard your soul against unbelief. Against Satan's lie. It's not something that he wrote in there just as a matter of fact. It has great import to to every Christian. Because there's not a Christian that's sitting in here today that has not felt that they have been separated from God or they have committed the, the ultimate sin or that the final failure was the last straw that broke the camel's back or that somehow that there's no way that they could enter into the, the intimacy of Christ. And they buy that lie because they live in this performance-based acceptance. Well, when Christ came and He took them and he took them at their very worst at their very worst he gave everything for them he gave everything for you at your very worst I think that that truth alone should fight every accusation that comes to your mind concerning your relationship with the Lord now Paul's again he's not speaking to to the lost, he's speaking to Christians who he knows because he's a seasoned saint, he knows the lies of the enemy. He knows how much ground he steals in accusing us. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He knows how this can devastate your life. I can assure you, though we be small, that there are people sitting in this congregation tonight who have been robbed of weeks, months, even years of, of walking in fellowship and in truth because they don't feel like they could ever measure up. Me too. Me too. And this is saying, you know what, Todd? 
You know, you've made mistakes. You've failed. You've entered into rebellion. You've entered into all manner of sin. You've done these things. But you'll never be as bad as the day I gave my life for you. You'll never be as bad. We need to embrace this. We need to see it for what it is. These verses are powerful. And it's done because God is being who He is to us. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8-10 through 10. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God. Does not and never did know Him. For God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest displayed where we are concerned in that God sent His Son, the only begotten or unique Son, into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, who's maintaining this relationship. He is. But that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, our salvation is effected and secured by His love alone. Now get this, the love of God is without any cause outside of Himself. We don't create it. I don't care what you do. You could save all of Africa. You could go out and witness and give your life for the thousands. And you know what? He would not love you any more than He loves you now. Because He loves you out of who He is. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, The hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.